0: You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 156, Reporting on Human Trafficking, Fresh Perspectives.
1: Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential.
0: Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stehoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. I am back as always with my dear friend and colleague, Sandy Morgan, who uh, today is going to be sharing with us some of the perspectives on reporting and media. Sandy, before we get into that, though, uh, we want to say a special thank you. We got an email recently from one of our listeners, as we do often, and we don't often mention uh, the emails on the show, but it's always so wonderful to hear from
1: people, isn't it? Oh, Lori McNeil found podcast number 105, and most of you who have been listening to me for any length of time know that I'm very, very careful about how I use statistics. And she is a data analyst and was trying to understand how to help their volunteer task force use data well. So she sent me quite a lengthy email. We made a phone appointment, and now we're going to figure out ways to partner. So a big shout out to Lori. Excellent. Yeah, and I know there's other listeners, um, and so we want to find ways to build our community, and Dave is really good at encouraging us to do reviews. You can do that on, um, let's see, what can we do that on? I, iTunes is the best place. Uh, if you use Stitcher, you're welcome to do it there too. Uh, and if you have been
0: listening to the show for a bit and you feel like you could leave us a review about the show, it is a huge help. If you've never done this before, it's really easy to do. Just go over to iTunes or, uh, whatever device you use, uh, go onto iTunes. If you use an iPhone or an iPad, uh, just go to the listing for the show. You can see a place you can rate the show with a number of stars, or you can write a quick comment. Uh, It just takes about 30 seconds to do, but it's huge for us because it helps more people to find the show, like Lori did, actually doing a search on Mm -hmm. iTunes for statistics and human trafficking. And uh, it really does make a difference, those reviews. So uh, if you haven't done that, uh, take a few minutes to do that. And if you have done that in the past, you can actually do it once a year. So if you've done it, it's been a while, uh, you can leave another one. And it's a huge help to us. And thanks. And thanks uh, if you've done that uh, in the past. We really appreciate it because it really does help us to... Uh, build our community of people who care about this issue, Sandy, and uh, and that's part of what we're going to talk about today. Is uh, one of the constituencies for that is uh, reporting and media that's and journalism. Right. And so, I know, uh, as always, you have a you have a whole stack of things in front of you that you are that's ready to right. share with us. So passionate. Uh, uh, we're we're yeah. going to do our best to to get this in thirty minutes. Um,
1: but uh, what what got you thinking about this topic? Well, I just came back from a conference in Hungary where we talked about different crisis reporting in journalism, Um, the folks that attended that were from 24 countries. And thinking about how to have a conversation that isn't always, here's a big crisis, here's another crisis, but are there other ways to address the issue? And particularly for me, I wanted to challenge journalists, whether they're broadcast journalists or, or written media, let's move from awareness to action. We, we just have so many stories of um, blazing rescue, but then nothing else. And so we, we, of course, when I was teaching there, we reviewed media risk that we've talked about on this program before. We talked about being careful not to dehumanize um, victims and turn people into projects. That that really is a risk. And of course, the basic safety for victims. You don't want to use people's names and faces when the traffickers are still out there and have not been caught. And we're we're especially concerned about re-exploiting victims because of basic, you know, taglines that I always hear journalists use. If it bleeds, it leads well we don't want to exploit somebody's story and oversensationalize it and then they it lives on the internet forever and talking to survivors yeah. they're they're really challenged by how to, you tell their story and how their friends and and new friends then see them because of that so i i did give some of the same links that we've given on the podcast here before as guidelines the world health organization um, safe Horizon, fast, and you can look at some of our other other human um, ending human trafficking podcasts to find help with that. And and I told the story the the most recent podcast that I did on this we did on this um, number one forty eight because I was so challenged by the fact that the same victim was in one article a commercially sexually exploited child and in another article was called um, a, a young um, prostitute. And you know that we don't want to call victims prostitutes. Language matters. And we want to use the terminology commercial sexual exploitation, because that is a term that focuses on abuse. It um, shows the The experience of the victim. And actually, Dave, I think it starts to help us understand because exploitation is actually a financial term in its roots. And we want to start looking at other, at the root causes of why this happens. And the idea of using common language is going to help the community be educated as well. And I think I think one of the things that I learned in having lunch, this was like a three-day conference and had a lot of meals together, is that the press is looking for ways to tell new stories. And this idea of just, here's another rescue, and I use air quotes when I say rescue. Um, and I began to think about how important media's perspective is on this issue, because If you're listening to this, you're the wordsmiths who create the story around these issues. You shape our society's uh, response to these issues. And so now I'm starting to look at journalists and think, you're on the front line to combat human trafficking because you tell the story. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about today. What are some fresh perspectives? So what
0: is happening that's new here? Because we've... We've gotten to the point that there is certainly a lot of awareness about this. Uh, yeah, maybe "a lot" is the wrong word, Sandy, but there's a lot more awareness than there was five years ago. Oh, um, absolutely. And and yet, like you said, there's there's not always the right kind of awareness, or not always the right way that we're that media is using language around this issue. What's different now? What are where do you see the opportunities for the journalists you've worked with, and the people in media who are thinking about this? much more holistically or maybe at the at more of the cutting edge of, of thinking about this in a way that aligns with a lot of the things we've been talking about on the show.
1: Well, and I think it aligns with our common value for our fellow man or woman and their dignity and wanting to be part of the answer. And so... When I start thinking about fresh perspectives, how can I tell the story in a way that engages the community? I I think about um, looking at this from a financial perspective. And you know we've talked before about the economic demand triangle, and you have a product, and then you have um, a marketing plan, a supplier. But if you don't have demand, your company goes out of business, right? Right. So- how can we start reporting on the demand and and looking at demand for unpaid labor, slave labor, exploited labor? How can we look at demand for commercial sexual exploitation of women, um, girls, boys? How, if, if you look at cases right here in Southern California, um, instead of reporting on the number of convictions of traffickers, like for instance, I just saw former guest Brad Shane Laban last week, and he said they've got 234 convictions out of the district attorney's office and 168 active cases. Well, that's great news, but the other side of that news is who are those traffickers selling those women and children to? That's the demand element. What if we started telling that story? That would be a different angle on that. Another Area And we covered it way back in podcast number 17 is looking at the Supply Chain Transparency Act, a huge emerging area of study in our universities and in corporate. Um, The corporate world is CSR. How many of you know what that means?
0: I'm not sure I know what it means, Annie.
1: Uh, corporate social responsibility.
0: That I know. I just didn't See? know the acronym. There
1: you go. Yeah. There you go. <clears throat> and so when California was the first one to su- uh, pass supply chain transparency, um, that- we did a podcast on that yeah, when that happened. Yeah. 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 And uh, it really is the cutting edge, but it doesn't have a lot. It doesn't have a lot of attention towards it. So there's got to be a story angle there. I just met a gal who did her, her master's in international studies, um, her thesis on on corporate responsibility in Walmart in Costa Rica. Hmm. I was like, oh my goodness, we have to interview her for this podcast. So uh, while I'm talking about this with journalists, I began to realize, Dave, that you and I have become broadcast journalists. In a way, yes. Yeah. Our yeah. goal is to purely educational But I began to see that we need to promote this kind of stopping and looking for fresh perspectives and how do we engage our community.
0: Indeed, and it is it does make change uh, when we all work together on these issues. This is maybe a more current event than we normally talk, Sandy, on the show, but uh, on a somewhat related area. I mean, it's really interesting to me what's going on in Hollywood right now with all of the media coverage around the um, sexual harassment and assault of some very famous people in Hollywood, and that being all over the news media right now. And it is both very depressing to read about and to realize how long some of these things have been going on. And also, it's also very hopeful because you see media and social media being used to share stories about what has happened and as a result a community of people coming together of who wouldn't individually be able to make change who are now forcing change if not change at least awareness that's going around hollywood and is just a a massive sea change in the last month or two of all the things that are happening with uh, different uh, people coming out about uh, things that have happened to them and these horrible situations and so, media is playing a role in that, and and a positive one, I think, in a lot of oh, ways. I to agree. Get that. I mean, to uncover a culture that's obviously very broken and very um, some horrific things have happened, and and yet some some positive things are coming out of that. If people are banding together and saying, "Hey, we're not going to put up with this anymore," and we're going to use media to empower us, and I think it's really it's an interesting case study in also um it's not the same thing of course but how in in this issue of human trafficking how potentially media and journalism and, and all of that can play a role in raising awareness for all of us
1: and and it's mainstream I mean, it's not buried in the back pages it's right on the front page yeah yeah and and i you know you bring this up and i think oh my goodness there's so many connections to human trafficking remember back when we did the podcast with Brittany's story Twelve-year-old who was recruited because she wanted to be a model. She wanted to be a star. Um, we did another one on a case that um, was a federal trafficking, sex trafficking case here, and three girls responded because on social media someone offered to make them a star, and it's the same kind of of storyline. So connecting the dots between what's happening with hashtag Me Too. Um, and and all of these huge revelations uh, can also become a way to engage the community in the risk factors around young women who want to have that um, career in in Hollywood.
0: Yeah, indeed, indeed.
1: One of the other perspectives is talking about healthy community engagement. Uh, we've been talking about we don't want to do just awareness; we want to t- move to action. So after I said that, um, several different people said, so how do I move from awareness? All I can do is tell a story. And so my, my advice to them, my comment was, well, look at the same story from a different angle. And if you, especially one of the things that we are really promoting in, in telling the story is we don't use the term rescue. And here in Orange County, even our law enforcement, our victim service, They say we recover victims, but we haven't rescued them because so many don't stay in the system, Um, so many run away um, or go back to where we think we, air quotes, rescued them because we don't have the services available for full restoration. We interviewed Sherry Harris um, a couple years ago, and she told us it takes about two years to really get someone back on their feet so they actually have um, a life that they can sustain. Mm. And so we don't want to use the term rescue. So what about looking at a story about how how many people in the community are necessary in order to do a real rescue that would include all the things, the legal assistance, medical treatment, secure security and counseling and spiritual support support and vocational training. We did a, a great interview with Dee Dee Poohholes and then with Judy Lamborn about how they're building vocational training for aftercare of victims of human trafficking. And they're not just doing this for girls, but for boys as well and men. And I think I think that's a really important aspect of telling that story. And how do we begin to show our community what community engagement looks like?
0: So many, gosh, so many
1: exciting ways to think
0: about this, Sandy. And, uh, and and thinking about all the recent conversations we've had, like you just mentioned, there's there's really a lot to be done and a lot of opportunity.
1: Oh uh, well, and and I. I just think there are, I've talked to so many journalists who care deeply about this issue and they want to do more. So we just want to throw things out there and see who's going to respond to that and maybe start doing some investigative journalism. Another fresh perspective is to look at uh, public health as an issue around human trafficking. And there are some real advantages to using a public health lens. We mentioned this when we did a podcast about Utah's legislation identifying human trafficking as a public health issue officially. And when you use a public health perspective, you change your attitude to not a results-based approach, but a prevention-based report. Um, perspective and it um, it targets anti-trafficking efforts and is trying to reduce risk of populations um, that might be more vulnerable so if you think of a great public health campaign think of the Zika virus I mean you know a lot about the Zika virus right Mm -hmm. Dave yep yep because it went right to the top of the health list And when that happens and it's recognized, it gets more funding, gets more attention in the public health realm because there is a model for how we address a public health issue. And you can probably sit at your desk and brainstorm what kind of public health issues we might encounter. Some of the things that we've discovered in labor trafficking, people living in very closed tight quarters because they're held in a small apartment while they're working. And so tuberculosis becomes an issue, but they are all going to go and um, use a public bus. They, and those kinds of things are communicable that can become part of our community's issues. We look at the victims of commercial sexual exploitation, and we have great public health campaigns on HPV, which is human papillomavirus virus but many of these children these minors who were commercially sexually exploited didn't have family and friends and and caretakers around them that made sure they got the virus and so years later they may be at huge risk at huge risk so how do we begin to to draw already established health campaigns to include the risks around human trafficking, telling that story. And I think the other thing about public health that I really like, and I'd love to see some stories on, is I think it redefines where the front line is. And the front line isn't in taking care of the wounded. That's actually behind the front line, but it's actually out there stopping the advance of the enemy. That's the front line definition, right? Right. So can you begin to understand how a public health model contributes to that? Indeed. And media, when you tell the story, you create value for the response. What is the answer? And you create a platform for more dialogue. It shows up on on Twitter feeds and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you just, I, I'm um uh, actually it made me think about how i constantly am telling my students that you cannot use a news report as a source a citation in a formal academic paper but i have said you can find a story to research in a in a public forum a newspaper or a podcast or an, or a, a news television story sure so i think that the impact on telling the story is going to affect the, um, a generation, the millennials, want to make a difference in this world. And they're looking for something to do. And you put it out there for them. They're going to go and do the research and find answers because you you asked the question.
0: One of the things you mentioned earlier, Sandy, was our use of language. And of course, we've talked about that a lot on the show over the years and one of the words that um, I see you have in the stack here is the term rescue and the use of that word. I'm not sure if we've talked about the word rescue much before. We've talked about a lot no. of other terms. So tell us about this word and what, uh, why is this on your list?
1: Oh, this is on my list because for the last probably year and a half, I've been putting together an outline. You know, I always want to write a book, right? And this particular subject um, there's an Old Testament story about when the captives, the Israelites, were set free. And the king of the, the region had one of his um, his closest servants was the cupbearer. And the cupbearer was one of the Hebrew people. And When the king said to his cupbearer, because a cupbearer brought his wine, brought his food, tasted things to make sure it wasn't poisoned. You can imagine how that would go. I didn't volunteer for that job. (laughs) But the king said to the cupbearer, Nehemiah, you look sad. And Nehemiah said, because my people have been set free and they've returned to a home where the walls are broken and the gates are burned. And so he was referring to the city of Jerusalem. And so the king so the king said, "What can I do to help?" And at that moment, the very first public-private partnership that I know about was formed. Here's this Hebrew man and the king of the existing power and the government actually offered resources. So he told him what he needed and the king gave him a letter. To uh, cut wood from his own forests and gave him a letter to travel and um, soldiers to protect him while he traveled. And he was gone for a couple of months. It took him 52 days to lead the captives that had just been set free in rebuilding the walls of their city so they would be safe and rebuilding the gates. And each family. Um, Took the rubble that was right there. And I I love that life metaphor. My own stuff, my own stuff begins to be the resource to rebuild myself in a strong and protective way. Hmm. And yet we still need more resources. The gates have been burned. You can't rebuild gates from ashes, you have to provide new resources. So that's exactly. The model of restoration. Those people weren't really free until their walls had been restored. Just like Nehemiah led the Hebrew children in rebuilding their walls, and the if you read the story, if you want to go back to those old stories, um, you find out that they were struggling already with new um, attackers who had free access to come in and attack them. And so they would be become slaves again without that protection. And that is a great model for restoration. So we use terminology in Orange County with our law enforcement and our task force of recover. We recover, but we haven't really done a rescue. Rescue means you are free. And I don't think you're free until you can make a choice about what you're going to do with the rest of your life.
0: Mm. What a great distinction, Sandy. Mm. I, I think about the book that I've recommended so many times over the years. In fact, your husband uh, had read this book uh, a while back as I've I, I uh, the book Transitions by William Bridges. Oh. And it's, it's a wonderful book about transitions we all go through in our lives. And the, and the author makes a distinction between change and transition. Change is what happens externally and is often, you know, very apparent and obvious. Transition takes a lot more time uh, Mm. and sometimes months, years, sometimes a lifetime, depending on the the situation and how recognizing that distinction is very important when handling transition. And I think about that in the context of what you just said, of of the difference between uh, a recovery, but truly a rescue, and truly of having that freedom back. It's it's one thing to be uh, let out of the bonds of of where you're being held. Potentially, it's a whole other thing to feel free and to truly be free.
1: Absolutely. In looking at that long road, it takes me back to one of my previous fresh perspectives. How do we engage our community stakeholders in this? Because we can't do this. It can't be just government. It has to be a public-private partnership. And I believe that as journalists on the front line telling the story, you take us beyond awareness and you help drive sustainable action. You engage professionals. Our our next um, podcast, we're going to interview a young attorney. This is not her paid job. She's a volunteer. How do you in the community begin to engage in using your expertise and resources to meet the need because it takes an entire community that is engaged, not just aware.
0: Well, and Sandy, that is a reminder to all of us that this entire work that we're doing of working on ending human trafficking takes an entire community, an entire, um, uh, part, all the partnerships we talk about regularly on the show. Uh, it, it, we are working together to study the issues, be a voice, and ultimately make a difference. And uh, we hope that you will take our challenge to do that as well. And, and one way that you can make that happen, uh, you've heard us talk about it on the show before, but one of the wonderful blessings we have, Sandy, is, is being a part of the Vanguard University um, and the Global Center for Women and Justice is so many of the wonderful educational opportunities. And uh, one a wonderful thing that's emerged from the center and the university over the last couple of years is the Human Trafficking Certificate Program. So if you are uh, listening to this show and thinking you'd like to learn more, maybe been listening for a while, and you've even heard us talk about the certificate program, uh, it, is a, it is a wonderful way to um, gain a lot of knowledge, uh, to get in community with more folks who care about this issue a lot, but also to increase your knowledge and your, um, and I would dare say, Sandy, your compassion at, at at looking at all the complexity that we really try hard to bring into the program. And so um, if, if folks are interested in investigating that, Sandy, where's the best place for them to go?
1: They can go to vanguard.edu forward slash GCWJ. And on the right side, there is a certificate button. Click that and it takes you to all the answers you need to sign up as a student at large.
0: And if that's not right for you, but maybe you're thinking, hey, I'd like to get more involved. I'd like to learn more. A great starting point is our annual Ensure Justice Conference. It is coming up next March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. If you'd like to learn more about how you can be a part of that two-day conference here in Southern California in March, go over to ensurejustice.com. You'll find all of the early bird uh, registration, all of the speakers, and so much more that we're going to be focusing on this coming year. Sandy, it's going to be a a great, great conference as always.
1: Absolutely. Can't wait to see you all there.
0: Have a great two weeks. And uh, Sandy, see you in uh, two weeks. Take care.
1: Thanks. Bye.